It's the Page Turner. The Page Turner. On Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. Hello, Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. I think what, what, what self help does, whether intentionally or un- unintentionally, is that, it, that it, it takes for granted our definitions of success. So you just mentioned it. It's like people assume, it's like, oh, well, I should make more money. Well, okay, I'll, I guess I'll go try to make more money. Like they, don't, they never stop and ask themselves, okay, what does it take to make more money? Is it worth making more money? What are the associated problems that come with making more money? Um, what do I have to give up? make more money why uh, am i making more money exactly like what's the point if, if you're giving up time or giving up relationships is it worth it so you know for me the starting point is always how, how are you choosing to define success in this special edition of the page turner i sit down with the new york times best-selling author of the subtle art of not giving an f mark manson and we talk why your definition of success could lead you to your ultimate demise and why you shouldn't be goal setting for the new year and how to harness the power of your emotions all of that and so much more is coming up right here on life beats on pulse 95. pulse 95. it's the page turner the page turner on Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. After writing his blog for years, Mark Manson gained international success and acclaim with his second book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, which he describes as the anti-self-help book. The book, which has sold 9 million copies and been translated into 50 languages, offers a counterpoint to the predictable positivity of the self-help genre, always follow your dreams, and instead encourages readers to question and embrace life's struggles. Chapter titles include You Are Not Special and Failure Is A Way Forward. Despite being an author who has changed the lives of many across the world, Mark admits that he struggled with the success of his book and the pressure that comes with writing a follow-up bestseller. Growing up in Austin, Texas, Mark was not your typical American child. While other kids were listening to the Backstreet Boys and watching MTV, he was reading Nietzsche. He started reading about philosophy and psychology when he was still in his early teens. And when he got to college, he studied international relations and got involved with a number of self-help movements. So when it came time to writing his blog and his books, he already had half a lifetime of experience to draw on. As a special guest of the Sharjah International Book Fair this year, I spoke to Mark after his sessions about his breakthrough book and why our definition of success could actually be making us unhappy. Mark Manson, absolutely amazing to have you here at the Sharjah International Book Fair. I'm happy to be here. Um, You know, I have to admit, okay, your book, uh, The Subtle Art, has been out for three years. Uh, It's killing every bestseller list that there is. However, I only bought the book a a couple of months ago when a a really good friend of mine said to me, Sally, you really, you have to read this book. (laughs) Um, And the reason that I didn't look at the book before that, self-help, I love self-help books, but then I was just like, I looked at it and I went, 
this guy just really wants attention to sell his book with that title. <laughs> Honestly, like, what is this? And then when she said it to me, I picked it up and I was like, get out. So tell us about where this book came from. <laughs> well, I probably did want some attention, but, <laughs> you know, it's ultimately I wanted to write a book about values and you know if you title a book about values like nobody's gonna buy it exactly. so, so you got to put the f word all over it <laughs> um but but i mean really really what inspired the book was I, I i've kind of existed i've had this like very tense relationship with the self-help industry for a decade now i've been a part of it but i've also kind of been this outsider and um, you know, as a millennial who's jaded and cynical about everything, uh, I, I just, when I was writing my blog, I just felt like there really needed to be a book that was a little bit darker and more honest about the pains and disappointments of life that are inevitable, that, that there's nothing you can do to avoid them. Uh, and so that, that was that was the inspiration, the original inspiration. You know, it's interesting because, um, like you said, self-help as a genre is just so contentious um, because your book is classified as that, but and yet it kind of tells us to do exactly the opposite <laughs> of everything that every other self-help book tells us to do, which is get richer, get more attractive, yep. be more successful. And yet you are telling us, which is why I connected so strongly with it, you're like, stop. And you need to question all of this first. Yes. Why is that? Because if you, I think what, what, what self-help does, whether intentionally or un unintentionally, is that, it, that it, it takes for granted our definitions of success. So you just mentioned it. It's like people assume, it's like, oh, well, I should make more money. Well, they, they, okay, I'll, I guess I'll go try to make more money. Like they don't, they never stop and ask themselves, okay, what does it take to make more money? Is it worth making more money? What are the associated problems that come with making more money? Um, what do I have to give up to make more money? Why uh, am I making more money? Exactly. Like, what's the point? If, if you're giving up time or giving up relationships, is it worth it? So, you know, for me, the starting point is always, how, how are you choosing to define success? Because if your definition of success is poor, it doesn't matter how hard you work, how clever you are, how motivated you are, you, you're going to end up in the wrong spot. So it, it again, it, it starts with values. Why is it so hard for us um, to define our values and to, to kind of go against everything else that, that our experience tells us, that our mm -hmm. culture, our history tells us? Talk to me about that process. Well, it's, it's hard because there's no obvious right answer. Mm. You know, it, it, what's a good definition of success for you is probably completely different than for me and vice versa. So immediately out of the gate, we don't have other people that we can rely on. We have to decide for ourselves. And not only is that difficult, but it's scary. Um, because if things go wrong, you don't have anybody to blame for it, yeah. <laughs> you know? So there's this, there's this certain kind of um, almost existential responsibility that comes with making these decisions of like, okay, this is how I define my life. This is how I define success. And this is what I want, you know, for my life. Um, that's scary. It's, it's really terrifying. Because your it, life as you know it could completely fall apart in that process. 
Oh, absolutely. It usually does. <laughs> <laughs> Is that and, what happened with you? Well, yeah. I mean, well, and it's, I, I wrote about a couple of the experiences, but it, what's interesting is that usually the only time that times that we actually ask these questions is after some, our life just fell apart, you know, after a divorce or we lost our job, we, we sit down and we're like, wait, maybe I had it all wrong. Exactly. One of the, the, um, the passages that kind of blew me away in your book, uh, you say the desire for more positive experience is itself a negative experience. And paradoxically, the acceptance of one's negative experience is itself a positive experience what what is this <laughs> explain um it's 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 loosely that that line is loosely based on uh, a thing alan watts wrote which he called the backwards law and um but it originates with buddhist philosophy which is um you know, Bo- Buddhism is full of all these paradoxes of like, you know, the more you try to grasp it, the more it slips through your hands and, and things like that. Um, so there's just something interesting, psychologically speaking. You know, I, I think we're so in the modern world, world, we're so used to a proportional, you know, it's like if I work twice as many hours, I'm going to get twice the result. Um, if I uh, save up, twice as much money each month I'll have twice the savings whatever that we don't realize our psychology works the reverse of that you know so it's like if I try to be happy if I try to be twice as happy I'm actually probably going to make myself twice as miserable Um, if I try to be loved by twice as many people I'm probably going to be hated by more people so there's this this quirky aspect of our emotional lives that is everything's in reverse it's like opposite day (laughs) and and it's um, it's one of those things that when somebody points it out to you, it's it's so obvious. You're like, wow, yeah, it's totally gels with everything I've experienced. Yeah. But um, but it's like so close in front of our face that we don't we don't notice it. Your there. your book is full of stuff like that. It's like yeah. it's so simple, but then when you hear it, you're just like, how did I not see this before? Coming up next, we talk why people who set goals tend to be less ethical. And Mark tells me about what attaining international success was like for him at 32. Lots more to come here on Life Beats. Pulse. This is Pulse 95. It's the Page Turner. The Page Turner. On Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. Welcome back to the Page Turner and my special conversation with international best-selling author Mark Manson. You talk about this as well in, in, in the world that we live in, the social media world, where we're just bombarded with those messages of, you know, get thinner, get more successful, get richer. Yep. And it's kind of like when we keep pursuing that and striving for stuff like that, actually, it's just making us more anxious and more miserable. Why? Because it's a, it's a treadmill. There's no end to it. And it's... Um you know, there's always something else to attain. There's always something else to have. Meanwhile, the more you attain, the more you have to lose. So, you know, let's just use money because it's an easy example. If your definition of success is money, you're never going to have enough. You know, it's you're always going to want more. But the problem is, is that the more money you get, the more ways there are to screw it up and lose it. And so... As time goes on, you're, you're not getting any more benefit, yeah. but you're increasing your potential risk mm. constantly. And so it's, it, 
all these kind of external materialistic definitions of success or these materialistic values have this aspect of them and that they what's the term i'm looking for diminishing returns you know they, it's the further you get into them the more they just start to eat you alive exactly so now that we know all of this stuff how do we kind of begin to change how we look at the world and how how we kind of move forward in our lives like so mm -hmm. what's the process for somebody to kind of step back and to reevaluate their own values i i think the best way is is to start cutting things out of your life and you can even run little experiments with yourself you know like what what would it be like if i didn't do this for a month yeah. what what would it be like if i didn't talk to this person for a month and see how it feels and usually what what happens is we surprise ourselves. You know, what, what we thought we were gonna miss or be really upset about losing, we're not upset at all. And then there are other things in our lives that, that uh, we didn't think was that important, but as soon as we lose it, we're like, wait, no, actually, like, I need that. that. That's a big deal to me. So that's the only way you can really understand how much you value something is to have it taken away from you or have it or to lose it. And so you have to start experimenting with losing things yeah that's why they say you never know what you got till it's gone right exactly it is it is that kind of thing um you know but actually you know we, we joke about it but this is actually a lot more um serious than it kind of sounds at first because if we're just constantly striving and striving for stuff mm -hmm. we can actually end up harming ourselves and those around us yes how how is that because it, it's when you make something external the goal yeah and this, this is just how our minds work. Like, you know, it's, it's whatever you set as your definition of success, your brain is going to start doing whatever it can to find its way there. And so if you create some sort of arbitrary goal, you, your brain and you decide that that is the definition of success, that's what, that's what gives you value in this world. Your, your mind is going to start cutting corners. Mm. And it's going to find it, if, 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 if it's given an opportunity to cheat or lie a little bit, yeah it's gonna start doing that. And um, it's really interesting actually, it's the, there's a lot of research, everybody's harping on goals all the time, yeah. right? You yeah. know, there, there's this little subset of research about goals, about the negative side effects of goals. And one of them is that people, people who set goals for themselves tend to be less ethical. And I think it, it comes down to this. It's like, if, if my goal is to achieve this external thing, then I'm gonna push you out of the way to get to it. Like, you know, whereas if we bring our goals back to um, our own health, respecting the dignity of others, you know, it, it's like, that needs to be the central focus point. Yeah. Does that make sense or am I rambling? It may, makes absolute sense <laughs> that, that the focus I mean, it's kind of like an ethical focus yes. rather than a goals focus. This is Absolutely. what you're saying. Yeah, and, and I think this is the component of self-help that's always been missing. Right. Um, is the ethics. Yeah. Because I, I don't think you can talk about having a better life without having an, an ethical discussion. And this, is, and this is also probably why the self-help industry has been rife for decades with megalomaniacal people who abuse power. Um, and take advantage of vulnerable people. You know, you've seen, we've seen this over and over and over again. And it's because people aren't stopping to ask, like, you know, what is 
maybe I shouldn't try to get rich. Maybe I should just try to be a good person and, and to love my family or to find, you know, like there's not a, there's not a deeper conversation going right. on. Right. I mean, d- but just to say that they're not mutually exclusive, becoming rich and being no, a great no, person. Not, yeah. Not at all. It's, but it's, it's just kind of a questioning your motives. It's all about pri- prior- prioritization. Yeah. Um, it's all about what you set as kind of like the top of your, um, your value hierarchy. So I think of thinking about people more is just vital, absolutely important in this discussion. Um, I have to ask you about the success of your book. Mm-hmm. You were only like 32 when yeah. the book came out and just exploded all over the world. Yeah. Um, what did that feel like? <laughs> uh, weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> most people don't achieve that till much later. Did you kind of go... Okay, what like what's what's on your goals list now? Yeah, well, what do you want to achieve? Destroyed my goals list, <laughs> which which put me into a little bit of a existential crisis. Um, no, it was a very. Sh- I mean, obviously, it was an incredible experience, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm very grateful for the experience. Wouldn't take it back, right? But, but it, it was very disorienting because I think just because of the magnitude of the success, um, I I really did have a moment for a few months of like why do anything else ever again you know like why not just sit in my pajamas and play zelda you know why not exactly i I, I can because you can yeah and it's so i I had to go through a little bit of a a thing like that um to kind of like refine myself again what's interesting is that you actually started out as a musician you wanted to do that first but then you became a writer so what happened well, I, <laughs> I guess I found out I was much better at writing than playing music. I, I tried the music thing, and, and I, I just don't think... Looking back, I think my passion was always more in listening to music, not practicing or playing music. Right, right. Um, and, and whereas with writing, it's, I think it's more of the reverse. Like I like reading, but I love writing. It just flows. For you, it's just like, it's what you do. It's who you are. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of writers look at you and they think, I want to become a best-selling author like that. You know. Yeah. So what, what would be your advice to them? Stay tuned because coming up next, Mark does in fact share his advice for aspiring writers. Get friendly with the team. Follow us on Facebook. FB.com slash Pulse95 Radio. Something to talk about. It's the Page Turner. The Page Turner. On Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. It is Life Beats, and I'm in conversation with global sensation Mark Manson. Now, his books have sold over 9 million copies, translated into 50 languages. So he knows a thing or two about being a best-selling author. Here he shares his advice for aspiring writers. I think until you can write purely for the pleasure by yourself, you know, you, you can't even really consider all these other things. I, I used to write hundreds and hundreds of pages of content back when nobody read it, when I didn't make any money. It was just something I did. It was fun. It was, it was, it was like a cool thing to do on my Friday night. Uh, and so it's that, that, like you have to find that element. And, it, and if it's not writing, it's something else, you know, like, but you have, to, you have to find that aspect of something before you can like really make it a life pursuit. That you will just do it. It doesn't matter if you're broke or you're making millions of dollars, you're still going to love doing it. Yes, well, and, and to come back to how subtle art kind of complicated um, 
my life is is that I think it the anxiety and the pressure of living up to that success kind of pulled me away from that you know so it was every time I sat down the right suddenly it's you know okay well I've got this multi-book deal going on and I've got millions of readers now and I've got you know all these expectations and critics and and it, it was funny because the thing that ultimately saved me was just remembering like oh wait I just need to sit down and write about stuff that I'm really curious about because yeah. that's what I that's what how I started. You actually needed to take your own advice exactly to write the next book. It, I it's really ironic, but I absolutely did. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Um, you say uh, actually first first I'm going to ask you what your personal definition of success is. Personal definition of success, I I would say, at least right now at this moment in my life, it's. It's prioritizing, I always, I feel like I always need to be creating something and then sharing that something with others. And so as long as I'm doing that in some capacity, um, you know, my career is one capacity that I do that. I also have personal relationships that I, I, I do that in. Um, it's, that's what feels like success to me. Yeah. You know, and if I do that well, money and all the other stuff just kind of happens. Yeah. Um, I love that so much. In terms of what you do in your book you say that you don't want to give people answers mm -hmm. through your books but what do you want people to get out of them better questions i i think it's because ultimately these questions of values and ethics and you know your definition of success like nobody can give that to you so my my goal with my books is to simply help people ask the right questions to discover that for themselves. What are some of the right questions that we should be asking? You know, one, one thing I used to ask people a lot is I would say like, like let's say you knew you only had a, a year left to live. What would you do with that year? Oftentimes that clarifies things for people. Another one is like, if, if you had the opportunity to, to do something with no chance of failure or, or judgment, uh, what would you do? Mm -hmm. What would you try? that usually brings out some interesting answers for people. So there's a bunch of these kind of quirky, interesting thought experiments that you can run for yourself. Um, something I want to ask you about is harnessing the power of our emotions mm -hmm. to become better. So talk to me about that. I think this is something that I wrote about in my, my, my new book that came out this year. Um, we tend to think of you know, we all have things in our lives that, that we know we should do, but we we don't. We just fail at them. You know, it's like I like last night the, the hotel gave me like this massive plate full of ice cream. And I was like, there's no way there's no way I'm going to survive eating that. And of course, I ate the whole thing. Like I, uh, I, like I hated myself for the rest of the night, but I ate it. And and then I, I kind of like spent the rest of the night in bed regretting it wondering what what are you doing with your life like why why are you this person so we all have these experiences <laughs> yes quite, we do <laughs> quite often and um you know i i, I became really curious so like why this happens like yeah. why do we not do the things we know we should do right like why do we fail so consistently at it and um it's really interesting. It's the, the way I describe it in my book is that like we, we kind of, we have two brains in our head. We have a, a thinking brain and a feeling brain. And our thinking brain is our conscious brain that's always talking to us and talking to each other. And, uh, and our thinking brain 
has very high regard for itself and and thinks that it's in control and you know it's the smart one so yep. it's the adult yep. in the cranium and uh so it's making it's calling the shots but when you look at all the psychological research it's it's ultimately our we are emotional creatures our decision making is emotional and this is why it's like you can read like i personally have probably read at least six books about nutrition and i still eat plates full of ice cream at night and uh because it doesn't matter because exactly. unless i feel like it nothing's going to change name and so, a single person who eats badly that doesn't know that they shouldn't be doing that. oh of course of course so the conclusion I came to is, is all these questions of, of self-discipline, willpower, motivation, procrastination. These are ultimately, these are emotional problems. You know, if you, if you have trouble procrastinating, that is an emotional issue. If you have, or if you have poor self-discipline, that is an emotional issue. Um, you can't attack these things logically. You can't attack them purely with information. You have to look at what is going on with you emotionally when you are making these decisions, these poor decisions, yeah. and find a way to alter that emotional pattern. And that sucks because emotions are much harder to work with. <laughs> It'd be so much easier if you could just read a book and then eat perfectly for exactly. the rest of your life. <laughs> you'd be done. You'd, you would have read one book and exactly. you're done. Exactly. Not six. But I mean, this and this is why, you know, these industries are, are just like multi-billion dollar industries because it's just it it doesn't work like you can't argue with emotions you have to live through new experiences to change your emotional so how do we do that can you give me an example yep that is coming up he tells us how to harness the power of our emotions and also coming up we found out find out which megastar mark is helping to write his own book it's crazy that's next Pulse 95. It's the page turner. The page turner. On Life Beats with Sally Musa and special guests celebrating Sharjah, the 2019 World Book Capital. It is Life Beats and a very special page turner with author and entrepreneur Mark Manson, author of the widely popular The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Here he tells me which superstar he's helping to write his own book, but first, he talks about cracking motivation and procrastination. The, one of the simplest examples, you know, January 1st, everybody signs up for a gym. And then by February 1st, everybody regrets signing up for a gym because they look at their credit card statement and realize that they paid $300 for one workout. And it's to build a workout habit. It's you can't just think your way into it. Ultimately, what you have to do is you have to find a way to enjoy working out. If you look at something like CrossFit, like this is what CrossFit was brilliant at, is that they found a way to take a really difficult workout and make it fun. They created a social environment where you cheer each other on, there are games, there's competition. And so people get hooked on it yeah. and they do it and they get in amazing shape like that. And, and so it blew up. And so the trick is to do that with everything. You know, it's like if you, if you don't study as much as you should, well, you, how, how can you make studying fun? Do it with a friend, create a little competition. Maybe, um, you know, one thing I did when I was trying to finish Subtle Art was um, I kept procrastinating the last few chapters. And, and so I had a friend who was in a similar position. He was writing a book and just couldn't quite finish it. And so we sat down and we, we 
gave ourselves a deadline. I think it was like three months, and it was like, okay, um, if one of us is finished and the other one isn't, you have to pay him a thousand dollars. Nice one. And that immediately changed my emotion, <laughs> like how much, how interested I was in writing my book. <laughs> you were just like, let's get it out there, yeah. So you kind of. You know, it's like there's an animal part of ourselves. Right. And in the same way you have to kind of train an animal through punishment and reward, you have to kind of do the same thing with yourself a little bit. Nice one. I yeah. like it. You're actually um, helping Will Smith write a book. Yeah. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, so Will, Will reached out um, about a year and a half ago. He's wanted to write a book for, for years. And um, it's just never really found kind of the right situation and uh or right time and uh he and i met up he <laughs> meeting with will smith is is interesting because i think a casual meeting for him is like is like taking a private jet to the cayman islands yes. like that like that's his <laughs> idea of like just a pri like a chill it's like a, a chill. get to know yeah. each other meeting and so uh, <laughs> next thing i know i'm like in the caribbean with will smith for four days <laughs> wondering what the hell happened <laughs> and uh and i and i hung out he's a great guy he's tons of fun really smart and uh at the end of the four-day trip he he looked at me and he's like so you do you have any book ideas and i'm like yeah sure and so i wrote up an outline and showed it to him and he's like hell yeah let's do it so now we're doing it. <laughs> amazing so talk to us about the book what's going to be in it it's so it's i'd say it's probably two-thirds memoir one-third life advice so it's basically it's his life but it's also lessons and um stories from his life i like it can you give us a sneak peek as to some of the the things that we're, we're gonna read about in this book <laughs> with him so i'll just say the thing my pitch to him yeah was essentially when i got to know him you know he's an old school celebrity so he hides everything we don't know the truth you know he's he's always been behind this like untouchable barrier and when i started to get to know him i i there are all these amazing things from his his early in his life all this hardship and uh incredible things that he overcame that nobody knows about yeah, so i mean he he came from a, a really rough background with a, a really a lot of dysfunction and abuse going on a lot of violence and his childhood and nobody knows about this and in the way he responded to it was so impressive and unique that as i told him i'm like you have to this has to be the book this has to be the book but it's just i've never met anybody who who bounces back from adversity as well as him in my life and uh and i work with people <laughs> who deal with adversity for a living so it, it's um it, it really stunned me. And so um, I told him, I said, that's the book. And he's like, all right, let's do it. That's incredible. Yeah. When is that going to be out? Um, probably 2021. Fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. We cannot wait for that. What, are you, what else are you working on? Uh, that's the main focus right now. I, I've got a project. I'm doing a, an original project with Audible, the, the yeah. Amazon company. Um, so I've got an audio book that's coming out probably early 2020. Only audio? audio. Only audio. And about? So I, uh, I took about half a dozen people with relationship problems and we recorded about six months worth of calls with them. And so we're, we've created this. You get to follow 
people it's kind of me coaching them but it, basically we get to follow people like working through their relationship issues over the course of six months it's 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 interesting it's it's pretty there's some there's some success stories and then there's some like whoa where the hell how did that go <laughs> like how did that happen <laughs> this is going to be fascinating yeah we, we need to like do another interview with you when that comes out i sure. think i want to ask you about your experience here in Sharjah, the Sharjah international book fair tell us about that it's great it's um it's funny i didn't i didn't really know anything about it when yeah. they contacted me and then i i come out and it's this huge thing with, it's the third largest in the world yeah it's like it's massive and there's tons of people and and all these amazing authors out here so it's really cool and and it's i've known i you know my books have done really well in the middle east and i've known that for a while but it, it's it's cool to get out here to the to the region and and uh and engage with the audience and and experience it firsthand millions of people around the world love reading your books um who does mark manson love to read <laughs> well i always say the the person who made me want to become an author uh was david foster wallace his non-fiction work so anybody who's not familiar with him he's got a piece called this is water check it out um it's absolutely mind-blowing and uh check out all of his work i love him and what are you reading now I'm actually, I'm, I just started a biography of Seneca, the Roman philosopher. You go deep, man. <laughs> you don't hold back. Is this your light reading or is that like... <laughs> no, no, that's my... I usually I, I usually I have like a light fun book and then I have like a deeper book that, and I kind of bounce back and forth. That's amazing. Mark Manson has just been incredible. What Thank a joy. It's fantastic. You. Author, thinker and life enthusiast, Mark Manson. And I have to say... Heading into 2020 and the new year, if there is one book that you really need to read, it is definitely The Subtle Art. So much more to come here on Life Beats as we celebrate Arabic Language Day on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 10am.